Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of my Znutcast. This is Tom Kuntz, and it is Sunday, March 27, 2016, here in the Philippines. Today's topic is the light of Christ, and I want to share a portion of my own journey as I have come to understand the importance of this wonderful free gift from God, given without any conditions to all of His children. So with that, let's get started. I came to a much greater understanding of the light of Christ by reading a book written by John Pontius titled, Following the Light of Christ into His Presence. Today I want to talk about my own journey and understanding of this important principle. In a talk in 2004 to new mission presidents, President Boyd K. Packer talked extensively about the light of Christ and its relationship to the Holy Ghost. Quoting numerous scriptures, this is what he said, Quote, the light of Christ is defined in the scriptures as the spirit which giveth light to every man that cometh into the world, the light which is in all things, which giveth life to all things, which is the law by which all things are governed. The light of Christ is also described in the scriptures as the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of truth, the light of truth, the spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit. Elder Packer went on to explain Quote, this spirit can prompt the farmer in his field and the fisherman on his boat. It can inspire the teacher in the classroom, the missionary in presenting his discussions. It can inspire the student who listens. And of enormous importance, it can inspire husband and wife and father and mother. This inner light can warn and guard and guide. Unquote. President Joseph Fielding Smith went so far as to say that the spirit of Christ can be likened unto a guardian angel for every person. In regards to the Holy Ghost, Elder Packer said, quote, Once a person has received that gift of the Holy Ghost and can cultivate it together with the light of Christ, which they already have, then the fullness of the gospel is open to their understanding. The Holy Ghost can even work through the light of Christ. It should not be difficult, therefore, to understand how revelation from God to his children on earth can come to all mankind through both the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Ghost, unquote. And my favorite statement, quote, then the light of Christ can be ignited by the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter." I've been thinking that we might more easily recognize that still small voice of the Spirit if we were to realize that we are often talking about the familiar voice of our conscience, which is this very light of Christ of which President Packer spoke. This is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, as described in section 84, that communicates the Lord's will for us to us. And when ignited by the Holy Ghost, it can be an even more powerful influence in our lives. Is it any wonder that each week when the sacrament prayers are spoken, that the words, that they may have or always have His Spirit to be with them, as a means to remind us of the availability and source of this inspiration? Between the ages of 12 and 17, I was a huge Los Angeles Lakers fan. I used to go to bed at night in Fort Hall, Idaho, and then carefully tune our old vacuum tube AM radio to station KFI 640 in Los Angeles. It was a faint signal traveling all the way to my little hometown there in Idaho, but if I turned the dial slowly and listened carefully, I could lay in bed and hear Chick Hearn and Lynn Shackelford call the play-by-play of those games. I loved them. 
So how can we tune into the Spirit of the Lord the same way that I used to turn that dial to find KFI 640? Well, while worthiness is a prerequisite for the Holy Ghost, the light of Christ is always available, even when we are struggling with sin. And unless we have completely blocked our ability to hear our own conscience, the light of Christ can help us return to God. But either way, we must have ears that want to hear. The scriptures teach us the consistent language of God is invariably in the form of a command. During his vision on the road to Damascus, when Paul asked what he should do, Jesus said, quote, Arise and go into the city, unquote. When an angel appeared to Alma the Younger, he was told, quote, Arise, if thou wilt of thyself be destroyed, seek no more to destroy the church of God, unquote. When confronted with what to do with Laban, Nephi was told by the Spirit, quote, Slay him, for the Lord hath delivered him into thy hands. Unquote. Later, Nephi had his own vision of the tree of life and received a repeated command to look. When Alma and his brethren stopped in the valley of Alma to give thanks after escaping from the Lamanites in the land of Helam, he was told, quote, Haste thee and get thou and this people out of this land. Unquote. And lastly, in the city of Joppa, Peter had a vision extending the gospel to the Gentiles where, after seeing all kinds of beasts and fowl representing the Gentiles, was simply told, Quote, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. Unquote. My point is that we can be assured that we are receiving a prompting when it comes to us in this form, this form of a command, as, as we've just gone through in these examples from the scriptures. Sometimes we tend to confuse our own self-talk with the voice of the Spirit. When you are considering what you should do and thinking to yourself, well, maybe I should or maybe I shouldn't or perhaps I could or I wonder if, this is simply not how the Spirit speaks to us. My favorite quote from Elder Maxwell is this. He said, quote, The submission of one's will is really the only uniquely personal thing we have to place on God's altar. The, other, the many other things we give, brothers and sisters, are actually the things he has already given or loaned to us. However, when you and I finally submit ourselves by letting our individual wills be swallowed up in God's will, then we are really giving something to him. It is it is the only possession which is truly ours to give, unquote. Nobody can say things like Elder Maxwell said them. A while back, I began to consider whether I was really laying my own will on the altar or whether I was just picking and choosing. So I made the commitment to be more obedient to this still small voice, and then I pled for help to have the courage to follow through. I want to tell you today about the first three things that the Spirit prompted me to do after making this commitment. Since that time, there have been many more, but I just want to tell you about these three since they were right at the beginning. The first thing was to write a letter to a close family member who had been struggling with forgiveness. The second thing was to ask my neighbor if the missionaries could come over and weed his flower beds. And third was to first call, and when I did not hear back, make a personal visit to a less active member that I had worked with to get to the temple when I was his bishop. Now, these probably sound pretty easy now, but I can tell you none of them were very easy for me. In fact, all three of them were things I had known for some time that the Lord had expected me to do, but I just put them off, thinking maybe the Lord would just provide an opportunity for me that would make this easy. But that never happened. In each case, the command was clear. Write a letter. Go knock on his door. Call him. Stop by his house. Let me tell you about just one of these experiences. It was with my neighbor, Steve. Steve is a military veteran, 
and has been in need of a knee replacement now for a couple of years. Because of the hemoglobin count, the VA hospital is unable or unwilling to do the surgery. He's generally quite meticulous with his lawn. He has a couple of acres, and whenever he is outside, I make it a point to speak with him. We share vegetables from our garden with him and his wife, Myrna. They've had some hard times, including a married son who committed suicide a number of years ago. You see, I kept waiting for Steve to come outdoors so I could go ask him if the missionaries could come weed his flower beds. The longer I waited, the stronger the prompting came not to wait. I finally got up my courage, walked over, and knocked on his door. I could tell from his demeanor that he was discouraged. When I asked about the missionaries helping him, he was thrilled. And shortly after I left his door, he was outside in his mower, mowing his lawn that had not been touched in over a month. What I realized immediately was that Heavenly Father didn't send me over to Steve because his beds needed weeding. He sent me over to a son whom he loved because he had simply lost hope. This was such a valuable lesson for me. We learn from Nephi's vision of the tree of life that the rod of iron, which his father had seen, was the word of God, which led to the fountain of living waters, or the tree of life. We generally think of this iron rod as a two-legged stool representing the scriptures combined with the words of prophets and apostles. Perhaps we all know people who read the scriptures, watch general conference, and still along the path lose their way. But if we take this two-legged stool and add in a third leg called personal revelation, the divine mandate to hold fast to the iron rod becomes a much clearer path to the tree. I have never known anyone who was constantly listening for the promptings of the Spirit and then acting upon those promptings to get lost in the midst of darkness. Never. Just one more thing, and that is the importance of courage. Acting on promptings, I think, really does take faith and courage. Faith that the Lord has prepared the way before he sends us on an errand and courage to follow through. The words of the primary song titled Nephi's Courage says it best. Nephi was courageous. This was his reply. I will go. I will do the thing the Lord commands. I know the Lord provides a way. He wants me to obey. So as I finish this nutcast today, I hope we can all reflect on perhaps three questions. Number one, when we are listening to and acting upon the promptings of the Spirit, what will be the impact on those who are discouraged or lost? Number two, when we are all listening to and acting upon the promptings of the Spirit, what will be the frequency of our temple attendance? And number three, when we are all listening to and acting upon the promptings of the Spirit, what will be the impact on the relationships with our spouse and children? I have come to know for myself that Heavenly Father his Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost are actively involved in our lives through spiritual promptings. I know that as we all become more sensitive to and are led by the Spirit of the Lord, every step we take will lead us closer to the tree of life and becoming more. That wraps up episode number nine. I hope there may have been something in this nutcast today that was helpful to you. Again, I want to thank dear brother John Pontius for what he has taught me about the light of Christ. I would encourage you to pick up his book and start your own journey if you have not already done so. Until next time, keep the faith.